So a question for you guys. Was there a football game yesterday afternoon or evening that, uh, uh, you know, I just, you Aggies are so predictable. So, um, but how cool. How many, you know, how many, um, seven, was it seven? Oh, my goodness. I mean, did they, whoever paid for tickets got their money's worth, right? Oh, goodness. Well, that is what in preaching class they call the hook. You know, you say something that people will listen to that then they're interested. Hopefully, you'll be interested beyond that. Um, today is known as Christ the King Sunday, and it is called that because this is the last Sunday before we start the beginning now of the new church year, which we start with Advent. So this is sort of the, the summary, kind of the ending of the church year, and we emphasize Christ the King, that out of all the things we do and, and all that is involved, we recognize that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Next Sunday, we begin Advent, and it's a four Sundays before Christmas, and so this is really a time to prepare our hearts. It's really a time to, to think about, um, it sounds really cheesy to say the real reason for the season and all those things y'all see on bumper stickers that you're kind of just going, yeah, yeah. But to, to really think about um, that we celebrate his birth and also that he will come again. This isn't just, you know, however many years ago in Bethlehem. But it's also about when the Lord will return. Um, so do we really receive him and recognize him as king? Do we really see Jesus as king? Because if you're like me, I'm pretty good at um, making my own plans. And just thinking I've got it, you know, that's pretty good and I should be able to do that. And you know, we're smart people, and so we can kind of figure it out, right? That's kind of how we do things. And yet sometimes that can be a problem. The amazing thing about God's love and God's power is that he lets us choose. Don't you find that remarkable? When he really knows what's best for us and all of that, and yet he gives us free choice, he gives us free will, as Methodists, as Wesleyans, that's what we believe, that we get to choose. Now, there are always consequences to our choices, but we get to choose. We're not robots, right? I mean, you decided, you chose whether or not you were going to brush your teeth this morning. We trust you did. You know, if not, you'll be going to see the dentist fairly soon. But, you know, we make choices all day long. You, you make choices, and those are just things that you do. It's really not love when we don't have a choice. Do you believe that? I mean, if you don't have a choice in the matter, is it love? And so God stepped back from all of his power and his authority and all that he is, and he said, I'm going to let them choose to love me. That God loves us. From your first breath, he loves you. And wants to draw you to him, but it's a choice. You get to choose. You don't have to. And some people absolutely walk away from that. From Genesis 3, we had a choice. And sometimes choices are good. Sometimes they are bad. They all have consequences. 1 John 3, 1 says roughly paraphrased how great the love the father has for us 
that we are called children of God, and so we are. And that's something that, that we can say, and we understand the scripture and all of that, but do you really believe it? Because I can't tell you how many people I see that will say, well, yeah, God loves other people, but I'm not sure he really loves me. Or they'll say, if he really knew what was in my heart, well, here's the clue. <laughs> you know, he kind of does already, you know. And yet he loves us. Are there consequences to, the, to situations we may find ourselves in or decisions we make? Yes. But we're called children of God. So do you really see yourself that way? Or are you just saying that's a cool scripture? And everybody else probably feels that way. We choose and we make the decision to receive God's love. That's a choice. We choose to make the decision to receive and accept Jesus as our Savior. That, again, that's a choice. That's a decision. We choose to repent. And repent just, I used to think repent means, you know, you're walking one way and you turn around. But repent is really you are walking one way and you turn around and you turn to God. We return to God when we repent. We turn back to God. We all have expectations, right, of how life should be. We all kind of have a plan, or in our mind's eye, we kind of have thoughts about how life should be. And sometimes that works out, and sometimes it doesn't. I don't know all your stories, and you all probably don't know mine, but, you know, sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. I have learned, Corrie ten Boom was the one who said that she, she wrote, lead children early to the Lord. Because if they can make those decisions at an early age... And it's why Cindy J does what she does. It's why we do what we do as a church in leading children early to the Lord. Again, it's their decision. I mean, we can't make that for them. But leading them to the Lord, because if they can understand his love for them at an early age, if they can understand that he is Lord of all and they let him be Lord of all, the difference it can make in their lives. I mean, do you look back on decisions and kind of go, yeah, I probably should have gone with God on that one, you know? I mean, I've had a few of those. We all have expectations of how life will be. And sometimes it may turn out that way, sometimes not so much. When I was a Bible teacher at CCA, I had kids do journals because I wanted them to think. I didn't want them to think like me, but I wanted them to think. Because for teenagers, that's a huge thing because they're come, they will sit in a classroom at some point and somebody will want them to think the way they think. And I, I knew they wouldn't necessarily agree with me on everything, and I didn't really care. But it was like, I want you to be thinking. I want you to be thinking about your relationship with God. I want you to be thinking about school, about important events in history. So we did a lot of that, things in, in our culture. And so I asked them about kind of their plans for life. What, you know, what were some of their thoughts? And so these were probably, I don't know, eighth graders maybe, uh, and some juniors, and asked them about it, and some, some were pretty, you know, good. <laughs> but a lot of the girls were like, well, I'm going to get married by the time I'm 20, and I will have 2.4 children, and they will be, have blonde hair and blue eyes, and we will live in a picket fence. And I started, sarcasm is one of my spiritual gifts, just saying. <laughs> so it took everything within me to not write in red, you know, are you kidding me, or whatever, or... Good luck with that. 
but I, especially the 2.4 children, but, but, you know, and they wanted, they had to have blonde hair and blue eyes. It's like, yeah, you know, bank on that one, especially if you have brown hair and brown eyes. You know, we've all done the DNA class, right? So that was kind of the girls. And usually I would just write, that's nice. And realizing they probably weren't getting the sarcasm. You know, it was just going right, you know, as they were planning where they were going to live. And the guys would usually say, now some said, I'd really like to be an attorney, or I really would like to be a doctor, or, you know, there were some that were whatever. But many of the guys, with all due respect, would say, I want to play in the NFL. And they were like this tall, you know, or I want to play in the NBA. And so, again, spirit of sarcasm in overdrive, I would write in red, send me tickets. Because I figured if they do, I get a ticket. If they don't, and they probably never got it anyway. So what do we do when our expectations really don't happen? What do we do when life doesn't turn out the way we think it would be? What do we do? And there are lots of different ways people respond. Sometimes we get mad at God. Sometimes we get mad at the situation. Or maybe we're mad at a neighbor or or a brother or sister. Maybe someone we trusted. Sometimes we build walls. And it takes a while to bring those down. It just does. Sometimes we kind of harden our hearts because we get hurt. And it's like, you know, I've heard people say, no one's going to hurt me like that again. And I've learned to keep my mouth shut. But if we're going to love, we're going to get hurt. Right? At At least in many situations. So what do we do with our expectations and what do we do when life happens in such a way that emphasizes this world is broken? And and yet we are here to share the good news of God's love in every neighborhood and in every situation. I'd like to talk to a minute um, about Norman Rockwell, who's a very famous painter, and I think there's a picture of him. This is a, or of a painting. This is a very famous painting that he did when Franklin Roosevelt was president, and he did a series of four paintings, and this one was Freedom from Want, just, the, um, just what we have in life. I don't know how your Thanksgiving was. Um, I mean, we go to my brother's, and it was great and all of that. But, But sometimes that picture is in our mind of expectation. And if it doesn't always end up like that, it's hard, right? So a good friend of their family, of Norman Rockwell's family, a good friend of his son, talked about Christmas at the Rockwell's home. And Norman Rockwell was continually having to paint. That was his job, and he was having to do all that. I mean, these just didn't come out of, you know, graphic art or whatever. I mean, he painted all of that. And they said Christmas at their house is that he would sit and watch them open presents, and then he'd go to his studio and paint. And it wasn't a diss. It was just how he lived life. And so the implication was life at the Rockwell home wasn't exactly what he painted all the time and the guy said who loved their family and and held them in great respect said this is what we wanted it to be this is what we want 
but it's not always exactly the same in all families. And if people are in a season of grief, or if people are in a season of loss, or if there's been something difficult, or a job loss, or whatever, you know, sometimes the happy family um, isn't always the case. Growing up at my house, well, last Sunday we met with some family, um, and they were saying, bring your favorite Thanksgiving memory. <laughs> and my brothers and I were kind of going, uh, <laughs> because my dad didn't handle everyday life. And so you throw a holiday at him, and it was not pretty. And so just saying for everyone, holidays are not always an easy time. I mean, obviously we look forward to them, look forward to Christmas, all that kind of stuff. But if someone is struggling emotionally with life and you throw a holiday or a vacation at them, it doesn't go so well. It's why we did, we did, we did two vacations uh, the, the entire time of my life, which was fine because they were so stressful. Just saying, are we willing to invite God? Are we willing to invite the King of Kings and Lord of Lords even into our pain and even into our chaos and even to the mess that may be not what we made but what we're having to walk through because a lot of times we're thinking you know yes we hold on to him or we look to him when things are going well and when we've accepted Christ and things are cool and the youth group is great and all of that but is he also Lord of your heart when it's broken? Is he Lord of your chaos? Or is he Lord of the sickness you may be having to deal with? Is he Lord of all? Or is it just something we sing in songs and, you know, all that kind of stuff? I think for all of us, Hopefully, we come to the point of asking Jesus to be the king of our heart, the Lord of our lives. And we get to a place to where we say, Lord, what do you want? Not my agenda for the day. You know, I don't know if you're a list maker. I don't know if you make lists. I worked with someone so, one time that, that was so into making lists that she would write down breakfast if she ate breakfast and then cross it off because she felt better about crossing that off her list. You know, I don't know what she did when she fasted. But anyway, you know, so I'm kind of like, I make lists, but it's, I usually don't include snacks or whatever, you know, um, other things. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how am I to be in this situation? Lord, would you come and be Lord of all this mess that's going on right now? Oh God, would you be Lord of our country and the chaos and disregard and unfairness? It's certainly our choice all of our lives. We can choose either way. We can choose. But oh my goodness, church, and oh my goodness to me, my, my testimony to you would be the times when I have said, Jesus, be Lord of this and help me walk in it 
has amazed me. And the times when I thought I had a pretty good plan, you know, didn't always work out so great. Maybe that's just my story and not your story. I'm sure you're all thinking that poor, poor girl. Just kidding. We're preparing our hearts for the remembrance of his birth and the certainty that he will come again. So will we all let him be Lord of our hearts? Will we really let him be king? See, the one who created your heart is the one who can bring healing to your heart. And certainly other instruments and other people, medical doctors or whatever, medicine, I get all that. But the one who made you is the one who knows where it hurts. And he brings healing to us all. He brings healing. We can choose to not accept it. I've known people who have walked that road. It's not very pretty. But will we let him have our hearts? Whether things are going well or whether things are difficult. We get to choose to accept him as Savior and Lord. We can also choose to surrender to his authority and his power. Very often in movies or in the media or whatever, you see surrender as a sign of weakness, giving up. But I would suggest to you that in Christianity and with Jesus, surrender is giving power to the one that can give the, do the most. Because, see, we don't have a whole lot of strength on our own. I mean, I know, like, Chris is here today, Chris Williams, who is like a bodybuilder. And, Chris, do you want to stand and kind of, no, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> and I get all that. But as far as real strength, it's not by might and not by power. But by my presence, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that is sometimes so foreign to us. But it's also absolute truth. Many men and, and many people have served here on staff at this church and done excellent jobs. But, but how God moves in this church is not about a man. But it's about God. And that's where we have to look in this season. And Daryl's awesome, and Doug was awesome, and all that. I mean, not, but just saying, if we look to a person, besides the fact that that puts incredible pressure on them, we're not looking in the right place. God is the one. So we sing the songs. God is the one that fights our battles. God is the one that knows. God is the one. Do we all have a part in that? Yes and amen. Yes and amen. But do we recognize the right perspective? In Revelation 19, it is written that, that Jesus is coming back and on his uh, coat and on his thigh is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And for those of you that lean into tattoos, that is a scripture for you, just saying. Um, I don't think they... Yeah, spare me. Um, I, don't, I don't think... They use permanent marker, you know, I think, you know. Anyway, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And in Handel's Messiah, a very, very powerful song, and you hear it a lot this time of year. 
there is a place in the Hallelujah Chorus where again and over and over they are saying King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? Y'all with me? I'm not going to have to sing it for you, right? Because that would be a problem. But I don't want you to have to need therapy afterwards. Um, but the story is told. And whether it's true or not, I don't know. But we do know that it was presented before King George II. And during this chorus, the Hallelujah Chorus, he stands. And so everybody stood because when the king stands, you, you stand. And some people, you know, think, and David may know more about it, and he may come to the piano and go, the real story. And if so, I, you know, I will bow to the master or whatever. Well, I bow to Jesus, but, you know, anyway. Um, but he stood. And there are a lot of theories about why. But whenever the Hallelujah Chorus is played, if it's being played in front of anybody that, you know, has a... IQ score more than 12, you know, I mean, that people stand up. They know the story, and they stand in honor of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it goes on to say that he shall reign forever and ever, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So it is wonderful to, to have that type of testimony and have that type of music. When we hear it, it's always very moving and very emotional and all of that. But oh my goodness, do I let him be king of my heart all the time. And I will tell you that there are times in my life where that's pretty okay and times in my life when it's been not so much. Just being honest. There are times I think, well, I can make this decision when that's really a very stupid thing on my part. I mean, yes, I do brush my teeth, but we all have choices. But just saying, is he really king? Is he really king? We need him to be king here over our money. We need him to be king here over just ministering to people. It's not in our strength. It's not in our strength. And looking to a person, whoever it is, isn't going to do it. But oh my goodness, church. We serve the, the Savior of the world. Philippians says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Including King George II and whoever else. I mean, think about it. Every king everyone that we have seen in any type of position of power, we will kneel before him, recognizing him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know what um, the holidays mean for you. Usually it's a, it's a time that gets really busy. Um, and I grew up in a home where you had to be really, really careful what you said. Because, <laughs> you know, it didn't matter if you'd gotten in trouble or not. You know, my dad, it was just, you had, you learned diplomacy 101. I mean, from the time I was about five, you had to learn how to talk and what to say and how fast to say I'm sorry. That was just how it was. And I'm not saying that so y'all will just go, oh, poor baby. It was just how it was, but it really prepared me for life. Because you have to learn how to be able to say things. 
So with Christmas and all that's going on, and I love it if you love it, that's cool, you know. But I would also say, diplomatically, please don't go crazy about it, okay? Sorry, that was supposed to be a joke. I mean, sometimes people are so into Christmas, and that is wonderful. And they say, well, it's all about Jesus. Well, not really, right? I mean, are y'all with me or somebody about to throw a rock? Because people say, oh, it's all about Jesus. But a lot of times it's not. We're in Advent. We're about to be in Advent. And I just encourage you as you prepare your heart for this season, as we all prepare our hearts, that not only is it celebrating that Jesus came, and that he grew up and ministered among us and died on a cross, was crucified and died and was put in a tomb. And he rose again. That's the whole point. We needed a savior. He rose again and he ascended into heaven. Oh my goodness. With the things we face, and things we may have to deal with, if we are hesitant to say, Jesus, will you be Lord of all? Will you be Lord in my life? How much the Father loves us. Galatians 4 says, and I'm paraphrasing, it talks about how that at the appointed time, when the time was exactly right, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law that he might redeem those under law that we might be able to to cry out that we would be children of God that we could cry out Abba Father that we could cry out Daddy so my prayer for us all this day as we end this service my prayer for us all is that we could cry out and that we could call on his name. That we could truly see him as Lord. Because he is. And it's just a matter of do we recognize it? Or are we so cool in our own eyes that we, you know, we're just fine. That we call on his name. That he fights our battles. It's more than just singing the song. He fights our battles. And for us as a church, if he's not fighting our battles, we're in pretty deep yogurt. Fair enough? Financially, in other ways. And it's not for us to go, ooh, scary, but it's to go, we stand in unity, and we're going to pray, and we're going to believe God, and we're going to ask him, how do we pray about this? What would you have us do, Lord? How can we honor you at this place in Carrollton, Texas, so that we can reach out to the neighborhoods and fill them with God's love? What an incredible opportunity. What an incredible blessing to be a part of this congregation. And while we have challenges, we know who's the king, right? We know who's the king. Yes, this is when y'all not. 
We know who's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We know who's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we look to him. He didn't just get the email about where we are. He knows where we are. And this church has been faithful. We have been faithful. And that's not to walk in spiritual pride, but just to say, God, we thank you that you're going to do it again. We thank you that you're going to move in mighty ways. We thank you, Lord, that you will heal hearts that have been broken. We thank you, God, for your provision. It's not my money. It's his money. So I just encourage you this day, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, if you would like to join this church, if you'd like to come and pray, that would be awesome as we stand and sing this song.